for the church, it's quite difficult because we don't kind of buy into woke as an entire movement. But there are aspects of what woke culture has identified that have caused us to look afresh at the Bible and to want to say, yes, the Bible demands that we practice better justice in, in those areas. Welcome to Independence, the FIZ podcast. My name is Adrian Reynolds. I'm the head of National Ministries and I'm here with John Stevens, who's our National Director. Hello, John. Hi, Adrian. This is right at the end of the year. So people will be listening to this right at the end of the year. It, it's basically Jules Holland without the music... <laughs> The dancing, the food, or the fun. Well, All of those elements stripped out, that's what we're doing. We're reviewing the year. Pretty sure nobody would want to see me dancing, so that's probably a good thing. Yes, that's, yes. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more. Um, we're, we're here to think about the year. We're here just to, to reflect on the year, rather than just the specific issues that kind of are in the news, perhaps immediately, just to look back over the year and just think how things have, have changed. I, I guess it's true to say, isn't it, that sort of coming into 2022, we thought few and we, we seem to be coming out of the tornado that is COVID. And we rather hope we will be sailing into calm, balmy waters. Um, and we are out of the tornado, but we have been in choppy waters, haven't we? What, what's, what's kind of just as you as you look back over the year, how would you see it in overview in terms of the environment in which we're, we're living as Christians? Well, I think in many ways, if we look back exactly a year ago, um, uh, we were hoping to come out into calmer waters. I'm not sure we were absolutely certain that that would be the case. So this time last year, we were navigating some new COVID restrictions for churches over the Christmas period. Um, people may well have forgotten the government sort of required us again to wear masks in church rather, rather had, bizarrely. Well, I had forgotten. Um, um, that. We had to wear masks when we weren't singing, but were allowed to take our masks off to sing, which was an extraordinarily weird um, uh, sort of. And uh, there approach. is an interesting thing there, isn't it? That you do actually you, you quickly forget things yeah, yeah. that are, you don't want to remember. That's just the way the mind works. So I don't think we knew how quickly COVID restrictions would be removed. It wasn't actually until May that they were, I think, completely lifted all of the legal That's restrictions. Right, yeah. So it's, e- it's easy to forget that. And different in different um, countries as well. Yeah. yeah um, okay. But I mean, in many ways, the big story has been emerging from COVID to a greater normality of life. And indeed, to a period in which we haven't been fearing that COVID would re-emerge and that restrictions would mm. be imposed again. So it's not just that um, sort of we were able to emerge from COVID, but actually we, I think, people were able to gain a confidence that that, that what had happened during lockdowns and the restrictions wouldn't be re-imposed. And a, a new normal, or just back to normal? I think it's difficult to say at this stage because uh, uh, the the period of COVID crisis, the lockdowns, the repeated recurrences of those were really over a period of about two years, and lots of things have been disrupted in that time. So patterns of people work, people's work in particular. Yep, yep. So people working from home and not quite getting back to the office. Um, it's it's contributed significantly to the economic crisis that we've had that coming out of COVID, both the amount of borrowing that government had to incur, plus um, again, changed patterns of, of life, uh, businesses rediscovering whether or not they were viable. So at one level, Lots of things have returned to normality and we've got back to normal social interaction. The vast majority of people are no longer afraid. You occasionally see a person who's still wearing a mask. You, you know that there are some people who still feel vulnerable uh, and, and who are acting very um, uh, kind of cautiously. But for the vast majority of people, life seems to have returned to something akin to normal. But um, there are still sectors of the economy. There are still areas where recovery is developing and quite what the future is going to look like is different. I think that the shift to everything being digital, Zoom, meetings, um, at at one level, I think there's been a return to more in-person kind of meetings. People have become tired of screens and they've 
seen the consequences of, of living on their screens. So it has perhaps not entirely time. negatively because we we have learned how to yep. do things. In, in a smarter way, actually, haven't we? Yeah, I think through COVID, people skilled up very quickly. Yeah. Lots of churches yeah. and pastors had to skill up quickly to be able to deliver services online. They discovered the power of online um, kind of presence as a, as, a, as, a, as a window for the church and its ministries. Many churches have seen people come into church and continue to come into church whose first real contact was engaging kind of um, online. It's often empowered whole groups of people in churches whose gifts weren't perhaps as appreciated. So suddenly people who were very technically skilled often younger people have been able to step up and get involved in church life. Is that your world, John? Thing. Uh, well, I've been happy to watch and, and just appreciate <laughs> it, both yourself and others in our church who are gifted in that way. So I've, I, I think I've come on a little bit um, in terms of what I'm able, able to do. Um, uh, but You've actually, all had to skill up, haven't we? I mean, yeah, that's I actually that part of the, skill up. You know, it's quite interesting that at the beginning of that COVID crisis, um, you know, we had older folk in church who weren't able to engage online, who we had to send others around to their houses to help them to to get Zoom and get it on and up and working. Actually, that's no longer the case. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's had to skill up to a certain extent. Absolutely. And, and we were talking about returning to normality. One of the challenges is when you've had a two-year interruption to what appears like normal life in that way, uh, in any two-year period, things could significantly have changed anyway. Yeah. You think, for yeah. example, about the introduction of the smartphone, which suddenly changes a whole variety of things very quickly. Uh, who knows what would have happened in that two-year period? So you're never going to quite come back to just... Uh, where you is, were. The, is the perhaps the lesson that there, there isn't a normal anymore, I, and there hasn't been. We've just been in slightly in denial about that. Actually, the world is constantly changing and rapidly changing around us. And actually, I think COVID has shown us uh, mm. kind of has shown us that clearly. But actually. Churches have to continually adapt, don't they, to the situation they're in? I think that's absolutely right. And um, you know, we long long for normal because we want stability. Yeah. We find change yeah. difficult. Um, it, we have to sort of give things up, take things up if we're to adjust to change. And I think we can deceive ourselves that there's a normal. And, and sometimes it's an event like COVID that reveals to us that actually what we thought was normal hasn't been. Um, so I think more generally in our culture at the moment, we're realising that there is, there is a sort of a, a multiplicity of overlapping cultures. Mm. Again, we can tend to think that there's a normal, and we think that normal is probably our experience. But take, for example, another thing that happened this year, which is the sort of publication of the results from the census, um, which demonstrated it's done every 10 years. So a kind of snapshot picture, 2021, as opposed to um, 2011. And that shows a couple of major things, the, the degree to which um, uh, Britain and, and large parts of Britain are becoming much more multi-ethnic. Um, so there, there is a multiplicity of overlapping cultures. There isn't a normal British culture. Yeah, yeah. What you've actually got is a variety of different cultures all operating within the same space. Um, and also a bigger story of that is the, the, the rapid decline in the number of people who are identifying as Christian, mm. which is probably people um, who in the past would have identified as cultural Christians. Um, but again, that that changes what we think of as, as normal. And I think for the church, that's been a major wake-up call to recognise that um, the majority now of the population amongst whom we live do not in any way identify with Christianity. Those who would be committed Christians who are church-going, um, evangelical believers would be a, a tiny percentage. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, what it, what is normal? Um, and, and there's, I think, increasingly um, shifts in generational perceptions. So baby boomer generation, generation X, generation Z, um, all begin to have different kind of perspectives on the culture that touches into a whole variety of cultural uh, kind of issues, how to deal with issues of race, how to deal with issues of gender, how to deal with issues of sexuality, what justice and fairness looks like. Um, so I think, I think we need to recognise 
recognize that there isn't a single culture and a single norm. But actually, that's exactly what we find in the Bible. Um, um, if you read the New Testament and you think about its original context, the Roman Empire was a melting pot of different cultures all overlapping and operating at the same time. So you had Jewish cultures, um, you had Greek cultures, Roman cultures, particular yeah, local yeah. cultures. Um, and I think we... We have probably in the West developed this idea that there is a norm that is shared, which has made us sort of not particularly effective at thinking through contextualization. Um, yeah, and, and also the church has not been that agile. Yeah. To re- so, so even when it does spot change, yeah. not really able to respond to it. Actually, one of the things that COVID has done is forced us to become more agile. Absolutely. But you, you can't just say, well, you know, the tech online service, that's for, that's for another generation. You, you were forced into it. So there was an agility that was probably lacking in some parts of the church that we've been forced to confront. Absolutely. And if you kind of think, I think the church has got to become much more flexible. The church has got to be able to adjust to its immediate local circumstance if we want to get the gospel out to the people we're trying to reach. Yeah. And again, if we look back at our Reformation heritage, you think about the Church of England and indeed the reformers more generally, they tried to impose a standard model on every church. So the essence of the yes, kind of- Yes, and look the, how that went. Well, yeah, but- <laughs> A, a sort of a standard liturgy that would be the same yep. everywhere. That, so that, and that had an assumption that everybody was the same. Yes. If you look at, for example, the FIEC family of churches, there's a remarkable diversity of the ways that people do church. A diversity of size, a diversity of kind of ethnic makeup, a even language of music, now that's of, used. Of language, yeah. um, a, a diversity of the, the style of preaching and the way that ministry is done within the parameters of our doctrinal basis. A, a variety of views on sort of secondary issues which inevitably impact on church life. Mm. I think one of the encouragements this year is we have seen um, a growth to that diversity. Um, Our goal is to want to reach the whole nation with the gospel, which means we've got to reach that multiplicity of cultures. And we can only do that if our churches reflect that multiplicity of cultures. And amongst things that have started this year, we've restarted our conferences, restarted our leaders' conference. I think one of the thrills of the leaders' conference was seeing um, sort of a thousand leaders gather together. They've not been able to do that for three years. And it was very noticeable, I think, that there was a younger generation of leaders that were sort of present there. There was a greater diversity uh, amongst the leaders yes. that were there of, of context yeah. and ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are hugely positive. Mm-hmm. As still we work to, to do there, I think. But let, uh, yeah. let's come back to that. Just thinking about the environment still a little bit. Um, COVID is obviously was the sort of the dominant f- factor at the, in the first half of the year. But we have sailed into the, the choppy waters, I guess, of a war in Europe, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, we think pe- people are sort of almost not noticing it in the news, that the situation in, U- in Ukraine at the moment. But of course, that started in March. And then um, I think connected to that or not, depending on your political viewpoint, a, a worsening economic crisis. We haven't sailed out of COVID into a boom. We've sailed out of um, COVID into a um, economic downturn, really, I think it's fair to say. So, so talk us through about those, uh, just in terms of how they're shaping our culture. Yeah, I think that's right. I think after COVID, people longed for stability and an yeah. end of crisis, to some extent that we've been in a perma-crisis really since the kind of uh, financial crisis of 2008. Um, so I think actually that- not What do you mean f- by that perma-crisis? Well, 2008, you had the financial crisis, which was very yeah. difficult for government to deal with, and then led to the coalition and austerity. Then you had the bro- vote on membership of the European Union in 2016, um, and actually sorting out what that would meant and how that would be um, implemented um, took a, a number of years. Um, complete uncertainty as to, to what would happen. Yes, lack of political um, stability. I mean, you'd have to say, wouldn't you? Yeah. And as soon as that happened, we were then into the COVID 
crisis, which no one expected. So it's hard to remember, 2019, Boris Johnson was elected with a big majority, get Brexit done. Everybody hoped that that would be sorted and we'd be able to return to uh, sort of a more normal implementation of politics. But COVID hit, which completely derailed that. And you get two and a half years of wrestling with the problems of COVID. And then no sooner do we seem to be out of COVID than you have a war in Europe with talk of the possibility of nuclear weapons being used. Mm, That's right. Um, And the war in Ukraine um, influences energy prices, which kind of compounds the economic crisis that's developing. And then sort of we're all facing inflation at levels that most of us have not seen for 40 years. And 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 higher interest rates, which is affecting mortgages and And deeply divided governments, which don't have necessarily a clear policy as to how how to deal with that. So we've seen prime ministers come and uh, kind of Yes, you wouldn't think there's an 80-seat majority, would you? No. No, no. And, and I think actually that just reminds us that we do live in a, an uncertain uh, kind of world. Again, thinking that stability is the norm is probably a mistake um, on our part. And in fact, actually, the Bible, when Jesus talks about the last days, which I take to be the whole period from his ascension to his ultimate return, he says it's going to be a period of instability. He says it's going to be a period in which there's sure. war and there's conflicts. And actually, for the church, our solid hope is in Christ, not in the achievement of some kind of political stability. How do, how do you think that? instability has affected the the, the church in in general terms does it provide more opportunities for gospel work does it does it actually hinder gospel work what's the relationship between the the stability the the lack of stability we're observing in the world and the work of the church yeah i think that's a great question um I think the place to start is coming out of COVID. In our churches within FIEC, there does seem to have been significant church growth through the COVID period. So I think we uh, sort of empirically and, uh, and anecdotally Many of the churches that we're engaging with, of our 630 churches, have seen significant growth over that period, both conversion growth and people moving to churches that are a, a Bible-centered church. So you might say that unsettling experience of COVID has been a real challenge for Christians and the church, navigating how to cope with the regulations and what government was demanding of us, limitations on our ability to be able to meet and worship together. And yet at the same time, it also seems to be a, have been a period of remarkable opportunity I think we've probably heard more reports in FIEC of conversions and baptisms during yep, that period. Yep. We've heard astonishing stories of the numbers of people joining, for example, online Christianity Explored courses yeah, during yep. that period. So, so you have to say it's a bit of a mixed picture. For God's people, it really threatens their faith and their security mm-hmm. um, when there's that instability. But it also opens up opportunity because people are maybe perhaps thinking about eternal issues, life issues, um, in a way that they haven't in the past. And it also provides an opportunity for the church to serve. One of the things we're seeing is that the welfare state is no longer capable of delivering cradle-to-grave care for everybody in every area. So who is it that's providing food Indeed. banks and, and care and yeah. help for Ukrainian refugees? It's very often the evangelical church, isn't it? I, th- I think that's absolutely right. But at the same time, I think there's a psychological kind of a, a danger of a psychological wear of dealing with what feels like constant crisis and insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I I think it is a challenge to help God's people to keep their faith and trust. And the work of ministers is to keep reminding people of that eternal hope that Jesus is sovereign, that his purposes will be accomplished, and to call God's people to be joyfully confident, even in the midst of insecurity. And then from that, to share that that message of hope with those who don't have it. Because I think these challenges... Uh, reveal to people that where they've put their hope is not solid. Yeah, it undermines that, doesn't it? There's another shift we've seen, which is slightly more difficult to perhaps to analyse, which is a move away from 
commuting to church, to local church. So quite a lot of our church is reporting that they're not only growing through conversion growth, but actually picking up people who would have driven past their door, maybe to go to a big city centre church or a well-known preaching centre and actually going local. Mm. And what's going on there? Well, I think that is that is a, a consequence of COVID. One of the things that COVID did was it, it, it because churches were shut, people essentially had to kind of ask the question, where am I going to go when? Yeah sort of the lockdown end. Yeah. Where do I belong? Um, and actually, people who go to churches often have a deep loyalty to them and, and they just kind of keep in a routine. Yeah. So if you were a student in a city and you were going to a city centre church when it was convenient, even when you move out, your friends and your relationships are there sure. and you keep sure. on going. And it, it's quite difficult to choose to leave um, uh, in many instances or people move house so they're a little bit further away, but they keep going to the community they belong to. I think COVID caused a lot of people to reevaluate every area of their life. Mm. I think the fact that churches were online means that people were able to check out other churches that were closer to them. The, the danger of moving to another church is you want to be sure that that church is a church yeah, you want to belong <laughs> to. Yeah. And actually, you can't find that on just one or two visits. But what, what online did was it meant that people could effectively watch and listen to the life of a local church community over a matter of months. And in many cases, a couple of things happened. People sort of started asking the question, do I really want to keep on traveling somewhere else? Sure. And I've discovered there is a community I could be happy with um, that is much closer to home. So as, as, as part of the more general staying at home, not commuting at, to work, working at home, people I think have reevaluated. The other big factor in that um, has been that people who were at churches that they were unhappy with. Um, which I think for lots of people who've joined our churches, they were at churches that might have been evangelical, but were gradually Slightly changing their, their moorings. Yep. So the Bible wasn't central. Um, they were beginning to drift on issues like yep. sexuality. Yep. So sort of people have taken the opportunity of COVID to say, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to have to fight those battles. I want to be taught clearly. I want to belong to a community that holds to the truths and that I think are vital. I can see the church is drifting um, and I want to take this opportunity yeah. to belong somewhere that is faithful. And we've, we've heard loads of reports from churches of basically people choosing to join not just a local church, but a church that they yes, believe. Which we've experienced locally, haven't we, here yeah, in, yeah. in Harborough. And, and I guess that's um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because I think one of the things that shifted over the last few years and we've seen perhaps accelerate in the last year is, is a sort of a, perhaps not a, a, a wokeism, but a, a sort of a political correctness um, a, about certain issues. And actually, you would think, looking from the outside, that those who hold a firm and conservative line are not only in the minority, but are declining. But I think one, one of my favourite um, news stories from the year has, has been the, um, the application of the, the coronavirus R number to church growth. It was a great, I mean, it made the national press, didn't it? It was a great story. Um, you know, this R number is how much the virus was multiplying. It was above one, then it was multiplying. If it was below one, then it was declining. And there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, um, in the coronavirus. It's above one, it's 1.1, it's 1.2, or it's 0.9, or it's 0.8. And, and applying that to church growth, very interesting. It was the groupings and denominations, including FIC, who were conservative mm sticking to the Bible, who had an R number of plus one, above one, and then other groups that were liberalising in broad terms, um, 
were below one. That was, that was very clear, wasn't it? It was, although I think as we think about the culture and how that relates to the church, there's not a simplistic equation of kind of conservative or liberal or progressive. Um, and I think actually the key thing is we're shaped by the Bible, not by cultural narratives. Just to so, you have to, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit, I think I'm a bit, in the wider I'm, culture, the, I'm the behind la- you, you have to explain that. The language me. of woke is used to describe a whole movement. Right, okay. And uh, kind of historically, the idea of woke goes back to the idea of being uh, awake to have your eyes open to injustice, right. wanting to deal with uh, sort of injustice. And it goes back to the civil rights movement in the States in the 1950s and 1960s. But it's become a whole movement. And within certainly Western culture, the, the kind of woke movement takes in issues of race, issues of uh, kind of the treatment of women, um, issues of sexual rights, LBGTQ yeah. rights. And, and and from the outside, it can look as though the woke movement is a kind of a homogenous thing and you either yeah. buy into it yeah. as a whole or yeah. not. For churches... Um, it's absolutely right that churches the world would regard as being conservative have seen extraordinary growth. What's usually meant by that when they describe them as conservative is churches that hold to a biblical teaching on sexuality, right. particularly. So it's narrowing um, down in that particular yeah. area. But on, on, for example, issues like race and the way that women are treated, um, I think many churches have looked at the Bible more closely and they've discovered that the Bible is massively concerned about issues of race and equal treatment. Yeah. Um, they're massively concerned about the way that women Women are treated and not exploited and and, and abused. So for the church, it's quite difficult because we don't kind of buy into woke as an entire movement. But there are aspects of what woke culture has identified that have caused us to look afresh at the Bible and to want to say, yes, the Bible demands that we practice better justice in in those areas. So I wouldn't want to say that simplistically it's about churches that are conservative in every area. It's basically about churches that have been truly biblical and, and have sought to practice better justice in relation to racial equality. So it requires greater interrogation than just saying, here's a movement, whatever it may be. Yes, we're for it or no, we're against it. It requires greater interrogation there, which actually is why next year's Leaders Conference, or if you're listening to this in the new year, this year's Leaders Conference, we're going to be thinking about justice. It's, It's a tricky topic, but actually Christians do need to think about it Biblically, don't they? I mean, that's absolutely right. And uh, and as, as we kind of navigate with the culture, our tendency is to want to think of everything purely in the terms in which the culture, culture yeah, doesn't allow yeah. it to are set the agenda. Are you for us or are you against us on this issue? Whereas yeah. actually we need to come back to the Bible and we need to say, what does God say? And then we need to critique the culture in the light of, sure. of that. So um, I think in our conference, we're going to be seeing that God, God is a God of justice. Um, he demands that justice be done, but he has to define what is just. Yeah. So one of the problems is that um, our culture has particular understandings of what justice is that may or may not correlate with what the Bible teaches. Um, uh, the church is called to be a community in which justice is practiced towards one another. Um, we're constantly reminded in the Bible to have hope that God will do justice in yeah, the end. Yeah, there is a day of justice coming. Um, That's right. But alongside that is the warning that in this world, because it's fallen and sinful, we often don't get the justice that we should get. So we have to learn to live in an unjust world with the hope of justice to come. And and then there's the whole question of how do we advocate for greater justice within society more widely? And I I think those are really important questions that the church is grappling with already. And speaking to lots of our leaders and lots of our younger church leaders, these are issues they're having to address, particularly for a younger generation for whom they're really, really live questions. And so what we're going to hopefully do in our leaders conference is provide people with some theological framework 
um, uh, some practical sort of um, seminars and outworkings of what that might mean to help navigate this really big mm. cultural challenge. So 68th of November 2023, do put it in your diaries and uh, we'll let you know when booking opens. Let's just, as we uh, come towards the end of our uh, half hour together, John, let's just make it a little bit more about what we've been doing over this year, some of the stories that we've been able to pursue. Um, and, and just to be clear, FIEC, we're not a denomination, we're a, we're a network, we're a family of about 630 independent churches. I think people forget that. The authority is in the churches, we work for the churches, um, and we exist to serve and help churches. So what are some of the ways that we've been serving and helping churches? And what have some of the developments been over this last year? Well, I guess one of the great things is we've been able to restart many of our conferences um, yes, for people. Back to so, normal. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, getting back to normal. So our, our local conferences for our kind of pastors and, and elders, yep. um, our, our kind of conferences for women's workers and pastors' wives. Yep. Of course, most of all, our national leaders conference um, interestingly, our leaders' conference this year it was our hundredth anniversary, and that meant we were able to reconsider what actually is FIEC for. So, um, at one level, in this year, we've been re, re remembering, regaining the vision that um, is there for FIEC to be a group of churches that are united by core gospel convictions, that want to contend for the faith of the gospel in, in the midst of our culture, um, but that want to work together so that um, independent churches are not isolated, but they're in a committed, genuine partnership to get the gospel out. So that's been thrilling to be reminded of that. And actually all the talks and seminars from that conference are now available. Yeah, they're all online. Of, um, online. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and as part of that, one of the things we did was we had our 100 projects, um, which was a way of celebrating our 100th anniversary, we had just over a million pounds to be able to distribute to kind of gospel projects. So we asked our churches to submit to us things that they were doing to get the gospel out to more people. Um, Actually, it was wonderful. We had, I think, 165 or so projects. Um, uh, And what was so encouraging was reading what our churches are seeking to do to reach their communities, some in relatively small ways, um, some maybe starting a new plant or a new new congregation, um, employing new workers, um, but in all sorts of ways, wanting to work to reach more people. And we put all of that in a prayer guide, um, which we want to pass on to members of churches. So if you go to the FIC website, again, we'll put the link in the show notes and you search for Pray for for 100, you will discover about the prayer guide that we're hoping churches will use in the new year and we'll send out to churches in the new year. Um, just help us think through um, what have been some of the developments in terms of staffing. You know, actually, yeah. our, our core resource here centrally is staff that we deploy to help serve our churches. And there have been some major changes, haven't there, in this year? So just tell us about those. Yeah, well, it's been in many ways been a really challenging year. And we started the year just as COVID was uh, sort of coming to an end or sort of thinking that we'd be able to implement lots and lots of our plans. And Johnny Prime, who was our head of local ministries, um, very sadly, at the beginning of the year, was kind of diagnosed with cardiomyopathy. None of us were expecting that, um, which meant that Johnny um, was signed off work, has been off work for the whole of this year. Um, rather wonderfully, um, Johnny's been able to have excellent care, um, had an operation in um, August for a repair on a heart valve and is now making a good recovery. Yeah, he is. And I know he's um, very grateful. He'd want to say he's very grateful for the love and know. care of, of people who have written to him and, and, and met up with him. But whether in church life or organisational life, that's the kind of thing you never plan for. You don't right. you know what's going to happen. Um, we didn't. There were lots of uncertainties as to what the condition was, how long Johnny would be off off kind of work. It became apparent in the course of the year that Johnny would need to step down from that role to enable us to replace um, uh, sort of him. Uh, I'm hugely grateful to Andy Hunter, who's our Scotland director, who has stepped in to be acting head of local ministries and has enabled us to continue much of our work and much of our care. 
um, for for churches. But in effect, we've been operating a whole man down for in a really key position. Um, uh, we've advertised for that role, and I'm delighted that we've just interviewed and we've just appointed um, for a replacement for head of local ministry. So tell us who. Um, so I'm thrilled that Graham Bynan, um, who is currently mixed role of pastor of Grace Church in Cambridge and teaching at Oak Hill Theological College on the independent students there. And he's going to be joining us in September 2023. Um, uh, so we're delighted that Graham yeah, has great accepted news. that role. Uh, we think he'll bring some real strengths to FIEC. He's got a real pastoral love um, uh, for people and for pastors. He's been involved in gospel partnerships. He's obviously been involved in training the next generation. Yeah. And he, has thought a lot about the local church, written yeah. about that, God's new community. Um, IVP book, really excellent sort of manifesto for local church life. Absolutely. And, and his recent book on complementarianism. Yeah, I, the, yeah with Jane Tua. Yeah, yeah, is, is, is a, a, a kind of a outlining a key area of where FIEC um, takes its um, its stand. Um, our hope is that Johnny's going to be able to return to FIEC okay. um, and continue to serve us in a Great role news. as director for pastoral care, continuing to provide care and support for pastors mm -hmm. and churches. Mm -hmm. It will mean that he doesn't have to do as much traveling and it will be more manageable. Um, but we're, we're hoping that the churches will benefit from Johnny's continued work and service are kind of there as well. So that's a, a hugely significant step. I, I think it's also fair to say, isn't it, that we um, often it's those front face facing ministry staff that people see or hear about. But actually, we've got a great team. We're really thankful to God for a really great team. Uh, we've had a retirement this year. Andy Patterson has just uh, retired at the Leaders Conference and another key member of staff will be retiring in the next few months. But we're really grateful to God for not just ministry staff, but actually what we call the support staff who are, who are doing sort of the back office stuff, which is really key to, to FIC working and, yeah. and running smoothly. Very grateful to God for, for a very strong team. John, just as we finish, um, let's just look at look on with our crystal walls into 2023. Um, just two or three headlines of things that you think, you know, you'd be hoping for, praying for yeah. as we look into this new year. Yep. Can I just add one thing about staffing? Just yeah, to, if you want to, yeah. I think actually just want to point out, we've also begun to recruit a, a team of local directors. Thank you. I forgot, FIEC, I forgot FIEC, that. Yes. No, yeah. no, it's fine. Um, so <laughs> we've really wanted to enable um, FIEC to serve churches more closely on the ground. And we think the answer to that is to have sort of some people who are kind of working in particular areas or regions to help foster relationships between the churches and take that forward. So we've already been massively benefited by yeah. having Trevor Archer as London director and Andy in Scotland. And um, wonderfully, we've been able to begin to appoint uh, a number of people to serve. So Gareth Lewis is going to become a local director for South Wales, fostering links with churches there. Paul Mallard, we're delighted having sort of retired from ministry at Whitcomb Baptist Church in Bath, is going to come to the West Midlands. He's also going to be helping lead theology within FIEC mm -hmm. so that we're serving our churches um, uh, uh, kind of well. Uh, Mark Halson is going to be um, working as a kind of local director in Suffolk. So that, that's just the beginnings of what we hope will be a growing number of Perhaps people. Perhaps that should the be the, the first part of your crystal ball, the sort of that yeah. growing team to serve our churches. Yeah. That, that's what centrally we're, we're longing to do, isn't it? Well, yeah, we are hoping. So the next year, um, Trevor is planning to retire. So we're looking to appoint a new London director to take yeah. that forward. So we've been given some funding to help appoint some new local directors. We're hoping that the Lord will raise up from the churches and in the regions people who will want to take that forwards. Um, we're thinking about how we can invest in encouraging and promoting local church evangelism with Andy Patterson stepping down from his role. Yeah. We think it's really important to um, help equip and encourage our churches in the work of getting the gospel out. So we're, we're beginning to put some plans together for how we might do that in the best yep. way. Um, so we're hoping that this next year will be a year of continued growth and progress um, uh, uh, along those um, areas. We are seeing more and more churches join FIEC. 
Um, I think one of the presenting issues that churches are having to wrestle with um, and our culture is wrestling with is the whole issue of the relationship between the church and the gospel and um, sort of homosexuality. Um, so uh, on the wider scene, churches that are affirming and accepting same-sex marriage, um, that's happened in a number of churches in the course of denominations in the course of this last year. So the Methodist Church, um, we've already seen that happen within the, the sort of the Church of Scotland, the kind of Episcopal Church in Scotland, the URC, um, the Quakers. Um, within the Baptist Union, there are some tensions, um, although the official position is still kind of um, heterosexual marriage, individual churches are allowed to make their yeah, own their right. own choice. Right. Um, and the reality is we're seeing churches leaving from those denominations, looking for a home, and some are coming to kind of F FIEC. In terms of the sort of the, the big cultural uh, pressure, the big debate is going on at the moment within the Church of England um, amongst uh, kind of the, uh, the bishops as to what position the Church of England will uh, kind of take, which will probably be decided early in, in, the, yep, in, the, in yep. the new year. Um, that could have really significant it implications. It could do, yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. So I think for churches, um, there's the need um, to, to keep to the biblical position um, in a culture that regards that as both either anachronistic or at worst intolerant and yep. bigoted. Uh, but we believe it's what the scriptures uh, 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 teach. And I think we need to stand with one another and encourage one another. So I think that is that is inevitably a, a major challenge that yeah. the, uh, the churches are facing at this moment. Um, I'm, I'm hosting so I can have the last word. Uh, one of the things we didn't say about getting back to normal with the FIC is the hub conference, mm -hmm. which we were able to have in person for the first time for a, a few years back in January. And our next one is is this January coming. And I think it's fair to say that that, that you, you mentioned this at the, the conference in the AGM talk, which is now online as well, that actually the pipeline of leaders coming through has dried up somewhat, um, you know, for various reasons, because of COVID, um, because of other things. Um, actually, there's been some stalling, I think, in the pipeline of leaders. So do pray for our hub conference. I've just got the dates in front of me. It's 13th to 15th of January. And if you've got people in church that you can encourage to come along to that, thinking about a ministry, even at the very early stages, we'd love to see them and to serve you as church as well by helping them think about ministry. Because actually we do we do long to you you said that at the leaders conference we saw a younger generation of leaders. Mm -hmm. But actually we've got we can't take that for granted, can we? We've got to keep investing in seeing leaders raised up for the yeah. work that needs to be done. I just make one final comment just in relation to normal. Um, I, sure. do, I think actually, I think we do need to end on a note of encouragement. Yeah. Um, and I think as we try to think what normal is, our culture would tell us that the norm is the church declining and becoming increasingly irrelevant. Um, and it's very easy for Christians to feel beleaguered from that point of view. But I think all the evidence that we have from what we're hearing from our churches, from the statistics, are that biblically faithful evangelical churches are seeing slow, steady growth. Yeah. The gospel is yeah. making progress. Churches are being planted. People are being converted. Um, and, and I think not that that's the norm that we can take for granted, and we'd love far more than that and for the Lord to work in that way, but we mustn't lose perspective. Yeah, that's helpful. That the overall picture is um, actually rather like the parable of the sower. We sow the seed. Um, there are many who reject it. There are some who seem to respond to it and their faith comes to nothing. There are others who are turned away by persecution and the pressure of the culture. But actually, there's a harvest mm. that comes from that work and God will bring about his purposes. That's a great way to end, John. Let's let's be praying then in, in the world's eyes for an abnormal 2023 where the church continues to grow and flourish. We long for that, don't we? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us throughout this year on the Independence Podcast. We've enjoyed having you with us. And if you like the podcast, please do rate it. Apparently that helps. And um, we look forward to catching up with you again in 2023. Thanks, John. Thanks so much, Adrian.